Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Cow Corner. We are here today to review the India-Australia white ball series. We've had an ODI series and a T20 series over the past two or three weeks. Fascinating stuff. And I'm joined by Zach up in Leeds. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Living the dream. Uh, Will, down in London. We haven't had you on since the IPL. It's great to have you back. Thank you very much. Good to be back. And you sent a couple of quite angry texts in our group chat um, during a couple of periods of these series. Um, are you going to be, is this going to be an angry pod, a thoughtful pod, a philosophical pod from you? What what, what should listeners expect for the next hour or so? Well, I like to think that I got my angry out covering Rajasthan for the IPL. I thought this would be quite zen. Um, and, and as the T20 results have come in, I'm, I'm feeling a bit happier. I was, I was glad for India to win that series just for your sanity and, just to make sure there's not too much anger on the pod um, and we'll see. Thank you very much. Yeah, excellent. We'll look forward to getting into that. A little bit of housekeeping before we get going. Um, the England-South Africa ODI series that never happened. We kind of alluded to it in the last pod that me and Glenn did on the T20 series. And two half positive England tests, was it? They never came back as positive. It meant the series was called off. There have been a few questions about the biosecurity of the South African bubble because they obviously had a few positive tests and I think it was the right decision to call that off England will fly home on Thursday um, ahead of an exciting announcement today so we lose some cricket but we gain a bit more England will be touring Sri Lanka in the new year uh, two tests on the 14th and the 22nd of January both uh, in Gaul so that's very exciting and obviously winning 3-0 last time they toured there uh, New Zealand won the first test against West Indies they thrashed them Kane Williamson's 251 allowed them to declare on 517 for nine uh, and West Indies never got anywhere near and they, they lost by an innings Blackwood with a century in the second innings though just something to hold on for uh, for them more touring news is South Africa will be going to Pakistan in the new year and uh, another coup for uh, the PCA there uh, two tests and the uh, three T20s that start on the 26th of January um, and a final bit of housekeeping and this is this was a bit of fun well not if you're England women's cricket team uh, Graham Swan said it would be the biggest crying shame in the world if James Anderson was made to coach England women to get his stripes when he retires. He also compared um, this role to that of the Lancashire second team. And he immediately said, you know, my point, I'm not having a go at the England women team, but 
uh, as Wisdom rightly noted in this article, Swan's comments are likely to anger fans of the women's game. Will, what, what did you reckon to this? Graham Swan was my favourite player, is my favourite player still just, and his ability to, I don't know, just talk any sense as seems to have left him. And he was never that big a fan of the England camp. So what, what did you reckon to these comments? No, well, I'm stunned that your favourite cricketer is no longer Washington Sunder for a start. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the fact that he's 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 opened, he's hedged with, you know what I mean, I'm not having a go. Like We, we do know what you mean, Graham, and, yeah. and you are denigrating women's cricket and everybody knows that. Um, and just uh, what is so laughable about it is the assumption that, of course, Jimmy Anderson could just walk in and coach the, the England women's national cricket team and, and he'd be brilliant at that, so he shouldn't even bother. Um, in the sort of Phil Neville approach to management, um, <laughs> as, if, as if you don't need a whole different set of knowledge to understand the women's game. And, and of course, as if it isn't just as valid in its own right. So it, it was stupid. He knows it was stupid. Um, not worth spending any more time on it than that, really. Agreed. Yes. And I would just keep remembering how good he was as a bowler and forget about listening to him after his career. Um, I don't know where he came in 2008, should he come dancing? But I don't think he was that great in that either. And there was a great article in The Cricketer about how it was an interview with him again with Simon Hughes and he was fuming that he wasn't part of the England setup. But I th- part of me thinks the ECB want to be done with him. And as you said, well, let's leave that there. And maybe Washington Sundar, we can come on to him later. Obviously, he can ascend to the top. Uh, let's review this India-Australia series then. Uh, we'll start with the ODIs in which it looked like it was about to get away from India. It was a little bit scary. Australia won the first two after posting mammoth scores of 374 and 389 in which India uh, couldn't chase them down they they tried their hardest though and we will come on to this and I think they probably left themselves with a little bit too much and then uh, India did win the third ODI and kind of kick-started their tour really it, it looked a bit worrying they set 302 sorry 303 for Australia to chase and they uh, were bowled out inside the 50 let's start with Australia because they had a really good tour Um, it's not at all they had a really good start to their summer and Steve Smith looked fantastic 105 and 104 in the first two ODIs Zach after his IPL did I forget that Smith was a really really good cricketer and has he just has he just showed me again I mean I've actually written the exact same thing that I had forgotten that he is quite good at ODIs (laughs) and also I mean we didn't we like we didn't learn much from this Australia's top order are quite good aren't they Warner, Warner and Finch, quite a good opening partnership. And Smith, I mean, Smith looked really good. And it was almost as if, why couldn't he hit 60 ball hundreds in the IPL? But it, I mean, you could ask the, se- the same questions of Aaron Finch, who again, looked very good in this, but really just looked like he couldn't hit the ball off the square in the IPL. It's a strange one because I think both of these players benefit from the, from more overs. I think 30 off 30 balls in a T20 doesn't look great. And both of these guys are very capable of doing that. But 30 off 30 balls is a platform to then get 90 off your next 60 or, you know, something like that. And Smith, for example, I think was 28 off 29, something like that. And then finished with 105 from 66. So his acceleration there is great. Finch had a fantastic series, 100 in the first and a 60 and an 80 in the second two ODIs. Will, have you got anything to say? And again, in the IPL, he was doing terrible. And so was Glenn Maxwell, who we'll come on to. Had a great bit of banter with KR Hall, actually. But... I don't know, these Australians seem to show up when it was against India rather than playing for the Indian IPL sides. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's the sort of inverse of, of what happened to lots of Indian players as soon as they went to India, which is probably understandable. Um, although, interestingly, he, he had a pretty dodgy uh, T20 series as well. So so maybe he just prefers playing at, at that speed of the game. Um, Smith, is, again, is another one where, who had an incredibly poor IPL with Rajasthan and then and then rediscovered that he was, in fact, able to play cricket um, when he arrived. So so they were probably just much more comfortable with the conditions. Should we chat about Glenn Maxwell for a little bit over the series? 167 off 86 deliveries, outrageous hitting, zero sixes in the IPL. Uh, I'm just going to say plenty in this series because I don't have the number in front of me. Uh, how good was he though, Zach? And should we should we engage in this switch hit debate that's come out since Ian Chappell said that shouldn't be allowed? You've just rolled your eyes there, and I, th- I think I'm with you on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I just can't really, I just don't really want to engage in that debate. I quite <laughs> like the switch hit. I think it's quite interesting. There was a really interesting bit of commentary, I can't remember who it was by, by one of the Australian commentators, talking about the signals that Maxwell does give that he's going to go for the switch hit. It's something to do with he, he stays way he stays way more still in his stance. And he doesn't do anywhere near as many of his trigger movements. And that means he's going to do the switch hit, which I thought was really interesting. And I, yeah, I really like the switch hit. It's always really fun. Always used to like it when I was a kid watching Kevin Peterson do it. So I, I don't really want to get rid of it. But yeah, Maxwell, I, I mean, he, he's brilliant, isn't he? When he is brilliant. It's, he's, he's, a, he's another really frustrating cricketer, almost of the Moen Ali kind of grade. But he's, quite, he's a bit better, well, especially <laughs> with the bat. But yeah, he's, he can just be so good. But then when, again, he's another one who, when he's out of Nick, he's just so horrible to watch. He doesn't, like, there was, you and Glenn alluded to this in the in the South Africa uh, T20 series review. Like Jason Roy, who goes hard at the ball. He looks horrible when he's out of Nick. But someone like Joe Root, he's still, you know, because his, his technique's sound. I think Maxwell's just awful when he's out of form, but amazing to watch and so dangerous. I think it's because he's got such a crazy technique when he's in or out of form. He stands so sort of wide at the crease, almost side on like Michael Yardley did or um, Chanderpool. And when that's not going well, it, it's like, come on, mate, just stand stand a bit straighter. I don't know. So the switch hit, I'm going to I'm gonna engage in the debate because it's a podcast. We're here to engage in debate, right? And I'm going to come to you, Will, with the devil's advocate side, is that the switch hit is different from a reverse sweep in that the batsman will change uh, his or her hands and feet position. So as a... As a if you're a right-hander, your, your left leg will be at the front and will switch that to the right. A bowler can't. A bowler's setting a field for a right-handed batsman. And the argument, which I don't like, but I'm going to use anyway, is that a bowler can't change which arm he bowls with. But does that really matter anyway? Who's doing that? So should it be outlawed in that it's unfair to the bowler? I'm perhaps weirdly going to a little bit agree with your devil's advocate argument there Dan that, that was that was a valiant attempt at it Thank you. Um, Thank I think you. that the better comparison that people have made rather than the bowler switching arms which is hilarious um, <laughs> is that of course that the bowler has to declare whether they're going over the wicket or around the wicket and, and you can't say you're going to do one and then do the other um, and I think that where there is maybe an argument is about whether or rather the, the timing of whether the batsman shifts his feet before or after the ball is played that if you line up as if you're going to hit a normal right-hander and then you switch your feet before the ball is coming in maybe that's not necessarily a batting skill and therefore that should be ruled unfair that's that's the closest i think it comes to a fair argument yeah Um, with that being said on that side of it exactly um with that said, credit to uh, to Ben Jones for this stat because I saw this and thought thought it was a good one. This is in T20s rather than ODIs, but it's a good stat. Um, 
when you look at shots per dismissal, the switch is the most dangerous shot in cricket. It has a shots per dismissal of about nine. So unless you're very, very good at it, you're going to be terrible. You're going to get out. Um, so when you, when you look at it in those terms, there's not really an overall case that it's unfair to the bowler. I like that. I, I like that. I think, yeah, it is more dangerous, of course. It's, but also, I'm not I'm not against the idea of a bowler being able to bowl with their other hand. You know, why not? <laughs> the big bash, we've spoken about the big bash's new rules. Why can't a bowler come in, Sam Curran, just bowl with his right hand? We've seen Joffre Archer in the nets do a bit of left arm spin. Why can't he just do that for one ball? Or over and around, just kind of duck in past the umpire. You know, why not? I'd, I'd love, and I think that your argument, Will, that a bowler has to declare is a much better than one than bowling with another arm. Another arm. And I'd love to see, like you said, Zach, someone just duck suddenly. He's coming over. Oh, he's coming round. That why not? That that would be great, and that that could be a new, more interesting rule. Um, it was Ian Chappell who, who he wasn't having to go at Glenn Maxwell more the shot itself. Was he the one that said um, if it pitches outside leg, it should still be able to be out, or was that a New Zealand journal? Does anyone know that? I think that's an interesting point, though. Yeah, I think because there's a lot of debate over whether it can be a wide if you've done the switch hit, because there seems to often be. I think there was one where it was massively a wide. It, it was outside. It was out. Well, it was what was meant to be outside leg stump, and it was still a wide outside off stump when he'd done the switch it because of how wide it was. And I almost kind of think if the if the batsman's switching it, maybe there should it should be even wider for it to be a wide. You know, give a bit more leeway to the bowlers. That's another thing I thought is that it. And it, this having this chat with you guys now has actually opened my eyes to maybe it is. It should be not allowed or things should be a change around it. Because as soon as I read the headline, I was like, oh, boring, boring old man doesn't like change. And I was like, OK. But now I'm thinking a bowler is set up to bowl to a right hander, for example. It, does the wide change then? Should it? Should should the whole cut strip be allowed if the batsman decides to do a switch hit? That's a good point. Um, probably, yeah. I mean, we already see wide's being called less often if if the batsman stepped across towards his off stump wide of off stump um so i think it's probably quite a natural thing for the umpire to to make a case-by-case decision on i i think it needs some change and now like i said now i've had this debate i'm, I'm ready to see some change let's stop trying to change cricket lads and just discuss what happened uh let's talk about india in this odi series um just conceding way too many runs in those first games. Let, let's be really brutal. It's kind of a straightforward analysis from that point of view. Um, setting a score in the third ODI, their bowlers came um, to the party a little bit and, and limited Australia. Will, was it? A, I mean, is it as simple as that to start? What I've just said that India just gave up way too many runs on these flat, lovely Australian pitches. And who were your highlight players from this series from an Indian perspective? You know, obviously Hardik Pandya, but a couple of bowling changes in that third ODI really brightened up that team. Yeah, I think that's right. And in, in some ways, it is more or less, more or less that simple. Um, it's interesting, in, in the last couple of years, there's been a lot of talk about the home team having too big an advantage um, and whether they should automatically give the, the toss win, if you like, to the away team. Because it was a very clear case of win the toss, bat first, put up a massive score on a flat pitch, win the game. Um, that happened in all three, even the India win. Um, which made it a bit of a shame as a series overall, because it, it just wasn't that interesting to watch, because none of them, um, apart from a, a, a couple phases of the, of the third ODI with some big hitting uh, from India, none of them were that interesting to watch. Um, and that particular, that uh, competitive a contest, um, which was a shame. Um, 
but as you say it was that's not the whole story it was also you had some pretty struggling bowling from India um, especially Bumrah and Shami right from the off although neither were bowling poorly they were they were basically getting the deliveries they wanted to they just weren't able to take wickets and, and that was that was a story throughout until um, of course Shami took four in, in the last ODI um, so it was it was a struggle with Indian bowling it was some very very good batting from Australia which you expect and, and all of their big names turned up um, and it was also again we, we, we spoke about team selection in the previous podcast there was some interesting batting decisions from India. I think Hardik's batting too low. I think Kale Rahul is batting too low because they decided he wouldn't be an opener. Um, so there, there were a few things that didn't quite go right for the Indians. Um, but I think overall, you're right. The, the big story is is the sort of macro of it. It was home team on a flat pitch in their conditions winning the toss. And like you said, it was, it was kind of a shame it was that because it didn't make for that compelling games. Um yeah, Rahul at five, Zach. Should he open instead of Argawal, maybe? Or do you like... I, I quite liked him at five. I thought that was great depth. But also, I think like Will alluded to there, not getting enough, not facing enough balls, not utilising him in his, in his best position. And then let's chat about Hardik Pandey. He, he had a fantastic series at 90 off 76, a highlight in the first ODI. Is he the best finisher in ODI cricket, as I think we all agreed he was in T20? The best finisher. Wow, that's a that's a big tagline. I I mean in ODI cricket, I'd probably give it to Joss Butler, but that's a that's like an English century. It doesn't mean that he's my favorite. He, Hardik Pandey is probably my favorite cricketer, and probably my favorite. He's definitely my favorite finisher. That's for sure. If that counts for anything, Hardik, if you're listening. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Rahul is such a difficult one because again, like well, like Australia and like England. India have got quite a lot of opening batsmen because generally it would be Dawan and Rohit Sharma. When there was the question of who replaces Rohit, Mayank wasn't very good in this series. Gill got one game. And I think if they want to kind of, and I feel like that's kind of been Gill's ODI career. He gets one game in a series when the series is already lost. He, he hasn't really had much of a run in the side. And I think if they really want to commit to one of these players, they need to give them a run in the side. But I suppose that's kind of the way ODIs are going at the moment because there's not another ODI World Cup for three years and there's two T20 World Cups in the next two years that ODIs are not going to be the kind of forefront like they were last year, of course. Shriya Sire, he got a run in this, as you alluded to there. I think they're trying to do that with him, right? Are we saying that they're kind of committed on him, him at number four? A couple of low scores and a start of 30 yards. Not a great series for him, but are India going to stick with him, Will? Or... Is he going to be the full guy if they want to shuffle this order around a bit? It's a, it's a strange one. When Whenever we're sitting down and trying to make our, our sort of fantasy lineups, who should play, he's always the one that I, I can't make a case for. I don't really see a, a reason for him, and I find him quite easy to get rid of. Um, but he's a member of the Coley Club. Uh, the, the selectors like him. The captain likes him. And, and as you say, they've clearly decided to give him a run in the team, despite what is not a particularly good run of form and, and others around him who I think deserve to be there a lot more so. Um, it, it, it was also strangely weird that they've, they've upon deciding that KL isn't going to open, he drops all the way down to five and, and Shreyas is sort of enshrined at four for some reason. Um, so it, it was a weird one, but it's India basically have five batsmen who want to open. Um, getting the right combination there is is not easy because they all have variations on on style and, you know, Rohit's very aggressive but needs to face a lot of balls. Gill's more traditional. Shikadam's a complete loose cannon. 
so they haven't <laughs> they haven't quite worked out the, the dynamic that they want and the style that they want throughout the whole team and that feeds through to selection and you can see that compared to the australia team i think that you know we'll have warner smith labashane finch who do different jobs and seem to do a job that fits the position they're in whereas everyone down to pandia could open in that india side so there's not that three four or five who just does things a bit differently with the bat let's be a bit more positive about india for a second as we as we wrap up the review on this uh, on the odi series is those couple of bowling changes in the third odi look really sharp uh thakur came in with three for 51 Natarajan, you had a great T20 series, which we'll come on to with two for, well, 70, but two for's nice. Um, you know, I think that's a, a more balanced bowling lineup than they had previously, um, using the B word there that we love on this pod. Or, or did they just play a bit better in this game and they kind of shone anyway? What, what do people think? I think I think you could you could easily say it was a bit of both. I mean, they they had a bit more of a balanced bowling attack. You're right with that, I'd say. But also, like we said, they got to bat first and they batted better. They had they had a good amount of runs on the board. It looked like it could have not been enough at one point. But yeah, I, I just think they played a bit better, and it was it was almost the pressure was off a little bit, and the pressure was off almost off Australia because they'd won the series. So there was a few changes, and the kind of final games of a series when the series is already done is a bit. Yeah, the dead robbers really definitely felt like that hey zach well done you predicted this series correctly uh, you know for long time listeners you would listen to our preview pod uh me and will went the other way on this one and we'll come to how we did in the t20 series very shortly let's move into that t20 series and as we've been saying and as we said in the england south africa preview pods we don't get an odi series unfortunately but t20 is international cricket uh, where it's at at the minute it's where all the teams are putting most of their effort. The strongest teams are coming out. Each game seems to really have some context and mean something, which is really exciting. One thing I noticed I found really interesting, just catching up on some highlights, because it's a bit early for me, these Australian games on UK time. But the Cricket Australia YouTube channel, which is showing some decent enough highlights, the ODIs had about 8 million views, roughly. The T20s were touching like 30 million views. There's, is that... Is that just something a little bit niche or there's a lot of hunger for T20 cricket at the minute? And I think there was definitely a bit of that. A lot more views. Let's come on to the series. Uh, India won it 2-1 after winning the first two T20s. Um, a good bit of momentum in the whole tour that was felt here. Uh, the first T20 was um, with some controversy, which we'll come on to. Uh, India setting 161, which Australia couldn't chase down. Some very handy bowling from substitute Yusvendra Chahal. Won in the game, straight up. And, and the guy who went off also won in the game, Jadeja. We'll come on to that. I'm excited to hear what you guys think about it. Uh, second T20 saw India win it again. This time they chased and they chased down 195 with two balls to spare. Um, Hardik Pandya again shining, finishing in innings there, 42 off 22. And the third uh, T20, Australia won it to, to peg, uh, peg back the series. And again, something of a dead rubber uh, as India'd already won it. Uh, set in India 186 India were 12 short Kohli eating up quite a lot of balls for his innings and I'd like to come on to that later as well but let's come on to that first T20 in which India won fairly convincingly by 11 runs let's get straight into it this concussion substitute thing what do we make of it so for those who weren't watching Jadeja was batting uh, India were batting first he made 44 of 23 he was struck on the head after for about six or eight not a lot anyway didn't go off finished his innings 
pulled up with a hamstring strain and Indy decided to use him as a, a concussion substitute, um, which I think we're all realising is really because his hamstring was pulled. And Chaha was the sub and he took three for, I think, something like that. So a lot of anger about this, sort of manipulating the concussion rules slightly, I think. That's my opinion. Will, I want to come on to you on this. It benefited your Indian side there. Charhol bowled fantastically. Jada did get hit in the head. We've got to be careful. There's sides to both of this that I can see are quite strong. What is yours? Yeah, so I, I'm going, getting straight into the controversy there. Yeah, exactly. Um, There's no messing around. I think, obviously, the, the, the first and most important thing to state, to get out of the way is that, you know, concussion in sport is a massive problem and and you know, underappreciated problem historically in sports, um, including in cricket. So if there's any risk of a, of a player having to go off with concussion, it would be remiss to overly question that just because a game's been lost. With that in context, it's a very strange series of events, and it's it's very it's clear that things which shouldn't which should have happened in a very structured order didn't take place. That being said, the way I look at it is, is it's sort of a case of two wrongs making a right, in that. What should have happened, like very, like unambiguously, clearly in the rules of the game, and I can't understand why it didn't, was as soon as he's hit on the head, all of the medical professionals come onto the pitch, he gets tested, and if there's any lingering problems, you go straight off, you're done, and you do the substitution there. Once that hasn't happened and he's battered, they come back into the changing room at the change of innings, and reportedly his teammate said, you're acting a bit weird, mate, you should probably get tested. And at that <laughs> At that point, the medical staff said, yeah, you're showing signs of concussion. Now, I think equally as clearly, at that stage, once that's happened, he should not be coming out to bowl, regardless of what's happened before that. And we've seen previous instances of that. Like when Steve Smith got hit in in the ashes, he came back out later to finish that innings, but then missed the next two tests. So it does sort of happen that, that symptoms come and go and, and emerge at later stages. So, so I think at that point, it's right that he had to be removed from the game despite having continued batting and they got a substitute for him. Then you can get into the debates around, well, once you have a seasonal rounder rather than a pure bowler, was it right that Jahal could come in and bowl four overs? But at that stage, I don't see how the rules can adjudicate on that, given that he was going to bowl something. So at that point, it's a coaching decision. So I I guess what I mean is, I understand why Australia can feel aggrieved by it, but I think in the end the right thing happened which is they got a substitute clearly the correct thing to do would have been follow the protocols from the start and get tested on the pitch but once that didn't happen ultimately the right decisions were made yeah i i mean you've you've spelled it out beautifully there will and i i actually agree yeah i think i think that it, i mean the, the right protocols were taken but it's whether yeah whether they should have been allowed to but obviously they they could swap a bowler because they wouldn't have like if he if he'd have been a batsman, they wouldn't have been able to swap. If if, if Judeja was just a batsman, they wouldn't have been able to swap for Chahal for the second innings. That that wouldn't have been allowed. But the fact he was gonna bowl and he was gonna bowl spin, I think if he'd have been a, if it had been a pace bowler again, I don't think that would have been allowed. But because he would have bowled spin, maybe Washington Sundar would have been a more like for like swap. But I suppose because of Washington's supreme batting, wouldn't have been used. So maybe not. Dan, anything to add to that? Ah, the sarcasm in your voice, Zach, just just fills me with joy. We can come on to his excellent bowling figures in this game. Again, I'll I'll come on to my concussion bit. Will I think well put um, all in all, and I think I'm with you both. It's there because I was about to say, oh, you know, tough, whatever. 
the guy got hit in the head, he has to come off. Just don't have the ball. You find a bowler from elsewhere, but that is obviously kind of anti the concussion rule because they might have kept Jadra out there, and we don't want that. I think you you prefix that perfectly, Will, that we need to be more careful with this in our sport. Um, and he was a spinner, and you can't adjudicate for what is an all-rounder and what is a spinner. Chahal might have a great day with the bat one day, and we can call him an all-rounder. I don't see that coming anytime soon, but it could, right? And it was just a shame that it happened like this. I think what should have happened is Jadra just get taken off straight away. But if he had no symptoms, then that would have been silly, and, that, and it wouldn't have made any sense to do that. And those symptoms came on a bit later. I think the hamstring pull has sort of clouded the waters a touch because it just seems like they've gone, all oh, right, he ain't going to bowl because he's done his hammy. Let's let's manipulate this concussion rule slightly. I think that's where the anger's come from, from the Australian side. And I definitely see that. I don't think we'd be having this discussion if he hadn't pulled his hamstring, quite frankly. Um, the picture of Charhol and Langer fist bumping at the end was was good. There was some anger in in uh, Langer's eyes there. And he was chatting to, is it David Boone, the guy with the massive moustache, who was the match referee? And they were having quite a heated discussion. Um, Langer in his Dettol jacket wasn't was kind of taking the edge off his anger, the fact he had a, a massive Dettol sticker on his back, basically. So yeah, th- th- I think I think we've come to a nice conclusion. I think it's the hamstring that's caused the issue, personally. I, otherwise, all was good, right? Are we happy with that? All was done well. All was done to the book. Yeah, I think. I mean, yeah, you're completely right. If he hadn't have strained the hamstring, we wouldn't be having this debate. But also, obviously, if he hadn't strained the hamstring, they also may not have made the substitution. It's it's a tricky one. I, I just want to see how this might get used again in the future if there is um, a hit on the head. And did Jadeja play the next? He played the next two games, right? Oh, he didn't. No. Oh, well, there we go. That's fine then. Everything's been done by the book then, pretty much. Except, except, is it fine? Because I think they're now saying he might be out of the first test with his hamstring. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's perfect. That hamstring's caused way too much arguments and debates in the cricketing world, hasn't it? If that was fine, we'd be away. Come on, let's get let's get onto the cricket a little bit. India, by the way, call any suggestion that the hamstring was to blame quite ridiculous. Oh, do they? Quite ridiculous. Come on. Oh, you're acting a bit funny in the changing room. He seems like a weird bloke anyway. Maybe he's just being a bit weirder than normal. I don't know. Sorry, Ravi, if you're listening. Which he likes playing with sword. I think quite yeah. weird is that. Yeah. Well, it's just you know, maybe he was just playing too much. I I don't know. We're not in that changing room. Let's come on to the cricket. Come on, let's talk some actual bowling and batting. India bowled really well in this game. Um, let's come on to Natarajan. Three for 30 in this game. He had a great series and kind of was the the head of this attack, I thought. And he, he was all right in that in that third ODI where he got a call up. And I think he really brought this um, into the first T20. Chahal, three for 25. Fantastic bowling. Let's ignore the fact he shouldn't have been there, potentially. And yeah, let's chat about his bowling attack for a little bit because I thought it looked fantastic. Uh, Washington Sundar non for 16 an economy of four how good is that we love you Washington this this bowling side looked great and I think we saw a lot of it in the IPL and I'm glad to see it in in international cricket yeah I mean I think yeah like you said Natarajan was really good Chahal was Chahal was yeah he was really good when he came as a concussion sub but actually wasn't that great for the rest of the series took took one more wicket and was going at 11s which you know just shows that the he rose to the occasion of not, I think maybe it was maybe it's because he didn't have to think about his batting. Sorry, I'm I'm going back to the. <laughs> to the but yeah, I mean, you say they bowled well and they did win the series, but I think actually maybe we did see a bit of India's not lack of depth, but 
yeah, maybe a lack of depth in their bowling attack, pace bowling, particularly because we saw a few of the players that wouldn't necessarily get a chance in this T20 series because Bumrah was rested for a lot of them. Shami played one and he, he didn't play well either. Went went for 11 and over. Thakur didn't look great. And Chahad, I, I don't really get Deepak Chahad. He, went, he took one wicket for 111 across three games, which... <laughs> When because he bowls at the start of the innings, he's the kind of he's the new ball bowler. He's he's their Sam Curran, but he he's not taking any wickets, and that's a lot of runs. So I, I just I just don't really get it. Is Deepak Chahar better than Ben Stokes if he's India's Sam Curran? Well, I mean the thing is, is Deepak Chahar bats at eight or nine, so he doesn't offer the batting. So he he isn't he isn't really India's Sam Curran. He's India's Trent Bolt. Much better comparison. I like that. I like that a lot. Will, what did you reckon to the the bowling in this T in this T20 series? I think Zach makes a pretty good point about depth actually. And again, these weren't friendly bowling conditions at all. I don't think anyone wanted to be a bowler in either of these series. But what did you reckon to their their spells? Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think they sure that there there is pretty good in bowling. But when it comes to pace, same as we spoke about in for many teams in in the IPL. There isn't a huge amount of depth below the top bowlers. Um, I think that they're still missing uh, Bhuvneshwar Kumar. He would clearly be one to come in um, and make a top four. Deepak Jahar, I agree. I don't really get. I think that's the that's a great desc- um, description of him. I'm just not quite sure what he offers. Um, Takur played okay, but but again, probably not great. Um, Natarajan's a great find. Uh, the, the Indian media have decided that to christen him the New Yorker King. He's he's we've forgotten about Bumrah. He's gone. He doesn't matter anymore. Um, and I think he did bowl the, the most Yorkers in the IPL, so so that's a, a, a good a good find for India to get him into the into the team for the series. Um, but I think overall it's it's probably a fair point that there is clearly a lack of depth, especially when when you compare it to Australia, who are missing their their top three fast bowlers and still looked more than happy. Yeah, definitely. And I think those Yorkers at Natarajan bowl. What, what was he called again? The the New the Yorker. Yorker. Oh, the Yorker King. Sorry, where did get the, the New Yorker? York, from? Oh, that's a, that's, that's a actually better because he is the new. <laughs> Yorker guy, isn't he? And then you could have Bumrah's the old Yorker. I don't know. Anywhere called Old York. I guess that could be Yorker. Yeah, please do. Um, cut me in on the on whatever money you get. Let's move on to their batting. I think again, this looked very strong. They all had a they all had a knock at some point in the series. I mentioned Pandya's 42 off 22 in the second T20. Rahul a couple of starts. Darwan a 50. Kohli of 40 off 24 balls. I'm reading most off that second, second T20 I actually in which they chased down 194 pretty well. Um, can we chat about Kohli's innings in the in the third OD, um, third T20? He made 85 but off 61 and he kind of ate up quite a lot of strike in a in a chase they I thought they were going to get. Um, again, Pandya didn't 20 off 13. No one really supported him through that. Did he? I think there was there was some questions going on. Did he eat up too much strike, Will? Do you, do you think that was the case? Or was it just he was taking the team on his shoulders and they didn't get there? Yeah, it, there was a funny period where India went from having it very much in hand. I think they were they were on course for a, a run rate of about eight and a half and they needed nine and a half. And they looked fairly in hand. And then they went from needing something like 130 off the last 100 to 100 off the last 55. And it, it, you're right, it did suddenly slip uh, at periods where most of the Australian spinners were, were playing. So you thought Kohli and Co would be fairly happy with it. Um, it. It was a bit strange. I have to say, although 
this is slightly unfair. I think, again, it, it's a symptom of, of the strange selection decisions that we see from India. Because once you get past Kohli, you get Sanju Sampson playing and then Shreyas, neither of whom have looked comfortable at any point in the series. So I think Kohli probably made the right decision that he needed to stay in and, and give India something that they could aim at for the last five overs. Um, but obviously just, just left them with too much to do. And Hardik coming in far too late. Um, he came in with something like 30 balls to play when, when ideally at his peak, he should be facing 25, 30 by himself. Um, so, so strange selection decisions there. And, and, and therefore, I'm not sure you can totally blame Kohli for the way that he went about it. Um, but it, it was clearly the case that there was this funny four or five over period where India couldn't buy a boundary. Yeah, uh, I think that's interesting because you think about it and if you face 60 balls in a T20 and you're a, you're a top, top class player, you usually get 100. And Virat Kohli doesn't have a T20i 100. Since we did since we did the quiz of, uh, I can't remember what episode it was on, it was ages ago, of the players that have hundreds in uh, all three formats, I've become a little bit obsessed with that. I think it might, it might be my niche. Hardik, <laughs> ha- and I, I Google it for most players now. Hardik Pandya, for example, has a test hundred, but no ODI or T20 hundred, which seems That's mental, bizarre. really. So one day Hardik will join the ranks of that. But yeah, uh, Matt Roller on Twitter actually said that uh, because of, because Kohli hit 85 or 61, it meant that his teammates would have to hit 102 off of 59 between them for an India win. And on the face of it, that sounds like he's left his team with too much to do. But I do actually really understand your point that we never think about it like the rest of the team has to go. And you do need someone who's going to stick around and bat at one, but potentially bat a little bit more than that and bat at, and accelerate. Because there was, like you said, that period after the power play where yeah, at six overs, seven overs or something where they just couldn't buy a boundary off of the leg spinners, which, yeah, like you said, you'd expect Indian batsmen to be able to play spin. Yeah, and although it's it's obviously a fair point about his um, his strike rate, he still had the highest strike rate in the team other than Pandya uh, until Takur came in late. Um, Shikha Darwin went to not much more than a runner ball. Um, KL obviously got out very quickly. Uh, Sanju and Treyas both went in a runner ball. So... Hard to blame him, I think, really. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that is that is India's issue, isn't it? That they have they have they've got a lot of players who can go at 120, 125, but struggle to kind of push on from that. Because if you think about like you, like we said about Rohit Sharma as well, Rahul, Darwan, but Darwin can go at more. But like you said, he's a loose cannon. Kohli, I mean, Samson can go a bit faster, but again, he didn't look comfortable. There's an, there's an elephant in the room name that hasn't come out yet, which is Richard Pant. Um, oh, no. thought it was going to be a, pant, a pantless podcast. No, that's, it's a pant. It's too, always a different pant. kind of podcast. Let's have more pantless podcasts. It's now a pant podcast. Go on, Will. Well, they, they, I mean, there was a time that he would have been the first choice ODI and T20 wicketkeeper batsman. And he's fallen behind both Kale Rahul, which is fair, and Sanju Samson, which is less fair. Um, and when, when you look at the middle order, I, I know I keep harping on about Sanjay Samson and Shreyas because they're not very good. Uh, but I mean, I, I understand he's inconsistent. And he's a bit of a lunatic and he does throw his bat around the pitch. That is that is a thing that happens and shouldn't happen to a professional cricketer. But he is probably better than those two. Are, are Samson and I are part of the Cody club and then in turn part of also part of Will's club of I don't want them picked like the anti Cody club. And you've got a couple other guys wanting to come in. Is that? I think I agree that I don't think um, Shriyas and, and Samson do that much. And there's there's 
there's something there that needs to be changed probably and can we chat i mean hardik pandya surely from this discussion of uh, i agree with you both that i think there's too many in the top five that strike at 120 130 why isn't pandya coming higher why aren't india flex uh, more flexible with their batting lineup and bring him in way earlier when they lose that third wicket and they're like right we need to up this a little bit i'd be very surprised to see that not happen for the next series um, I think it's a, it's a symptom of what we spoke about earlier. There are too many batsmen who want to be in the top order. But I think at some point you have to make a, a hard decision and conclude Hardnick is the best player in the world uh, and he should be should be facing far more balls than he is. He's your favourite man in the world, isn't he? I'm sure you he put that my, in the chat at some point this he's week. He's my all-time favourite man. Wow. What a partly because he's good at cricket and partly because he's, he's just so cool. Yeah. He always looks cool. He does radiate coolness, doesn't he? I kind of I effortless, effortlessly as well. Even when he's... Playing quite a nerdy little game like cricket, he just looks really effortless, effortlessly cool. I I I almost described him the other day on our podcast as the Diego Maradona of cricket. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if we can quite go that far, but he does kind of. If you know, obviously there is no comparison. There is no Diego Maradona of cricket. There's no Diego Maradona of anything. But if there were to be one, it would be Hardik Pandya. I think it, it was great during the IPL when he was asked. Uh, are you missing the partying of uh, of the non-bubble life? And he said, I-, I think it was something it was something along the lines of I'm a father now, so I shouldn't say that I'm missing the partying. I, I should say I'm missing changing uh, nappies. So that was a, <laughs> maybe, that was a nice little bit. Maybe he's actually the Paul Gascoigne of cricket. <laughs> and incidentally, we should have a Twitter poll right now on Cal Corner. Who is Hardik Pandya as a footballer? <laughs> Yeah, that's a great shout. Listen, we'll do that when the pod goes up. Who is the Hardik Pandya of football? There's plenty of shouts. We'll come up with a few more. I think Gas. Uh, I'd lean more toward Gasco in the Maradona at the minute, but you know, other suggestions are available, and we'd love to hear them. David Ginola. <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, Jack Grealish. No, that's mm. terrible. Let's let's move on to Australia, and you know, do they have anyone as cool as Hardik Pandya? Probably not. Definitely not, actually. I think their biggest selection headache coming out of this series, in which they looked okay and light of a few bowlers, is what Matthew Wade did in that third T20. Uh, He opened the battle with Aaron Finch because of David Warner's injury. 80 off 53, it was explosive. That It it really was an eye-catching innings. You said, Zach, in the chat, he's he's almost undroppable now after that knock, especially for whatever series they've got coming up next. Do you expect him to stay in the, t- in the team if Warner's fit and where would you squeeze him into this batting lineup? Yeah, I mean, I think that is the big question for Australia because this batting lineup, it, it looks pretty good. They, they were light of a few bowlers and that kind of, you could say it cost them the series, but again, it, it was pretty tight. Like India, like they, they didn't, they weren't battered. It didn't feel, it didn't feel as one-sided as the ODI series did towards them. But yeah, I think, I think, yeah, like you said, he is undroppable. But where do they bat him? Because they're not going to split up Aaron Finch and David Warner because they're, you know, a pretty good opening partnership. And he can kind of go from ball one, which is, you know, something that people like to throw around about a lot of players. But can he do it? Can he do it when he comes in in the 11th over when a platform's been set, but the field spread? Can he do it when Australia are 20 for two at the end of the power play? Or can he only do it against a new ball in the power play? I think that's something that Australia really need to if they're gonna go for him they need to give him a go not opening because he's he's proved that he should be in this team but i don't think they're gonna bat warner or finch 
outside of the opening partnership. But to be fair, Warner did actually drop down the order one game for Sunrisers. So in the IPL, it's back back to four. So maybe. I think, and I hate to mention Tom Banton in nearly every podcast we do, but is it a bit of a Tom Banton syndrome in that Australia have already got a couple of good openers that you definitely don't want to break up? And I agree on that, despite Finch looking a little bit lost in some T20s. You don't want to break that up and he won't suit anywhere else in, in the batting order. There's no point in just in just shoving him in there and hoping for the best because that isn't where he suits. Do you think there's a bit of that? Yeah, I think I think there's a little bit of that. But I think compared to Tom Banton is that Matthew Wade has has a big body of work in first class cricket, in ODIs, batting not at the top of the order. So he has a lot of experience not opening the batting, although he does open the batting in the big bash and he has done a fair amount for Australia. I think one of the key things is that he's, he's better than Alex Carey though. Definitely. And that's Alex Carey just flatters to deceive. And it's such a shame because I thought he looked so promising. I don't know, maybe 18 months ago, especially at Sussex and a few Australia games. Um, and Wade captained and was keeper and opened the batting in that second T20. Um, he made 58 of 32 in that. So 130 odd for him over the series. And they obviously hold him in high regards, give him that kind of responsibility. So definitely expect him to be around the squad. Let's look at the rest of the batting lineup for Australia. Business as usual, I guess. Um, Smith looks okay again, 46 of 38 in the second T20 was his best. Uh, Moises Enriquez, um, born in Portugal, correct? I think I find the Australian commentary team don't like saying Enriquez. So they go for, they go for not even Moises, they go Moses. And they just call him by his first name. I find it really weird. They just they don't want to tackle that name. He got a few games. I thought he looked okay. I think he's all right with the ball as well. Um, Will, what do you reckon his batting lineup? It looks pretty good to me. I quite like it. It feels like England. I think this will be set when when it comes to the World Cup uh, next year. Yeah, that's the that's the key thing. Like you say, it's it's very settled, and and you get everyone pretty much delivering what they should. Plus Glenn Maxwell doing a sort of amped up Jadeja impression um, and, and, and clearly getting a couple of match winnings in, innings in him. Um, even more than, than the batting, though, I was really impressed by the Australian bowling lineup. Um, although, obviously, they didn't manage to win the series and they didn't always bowl great. And a lot of the time, individuals bowled quite poorly. But given that they were missing their three top bowlers, um, not playing at all, and they bought, a fair, they bought a, I think, at least two in for their debuts, um, in the series, and they all they all bowled reasonably well, on average. I thought Andrew Ty bowled really well with a bit more pace. Sean Abbott, although he didn't have a good economy, he went for a lot of runs, especially in that Jadeja Pandya partnership in the first T20. I thought he looked like his bowling was always dangerous. Um, I think he took Coley's wicket at one stage. Um, and then, of course, a great depressing to me as an India supporter, the spinners were, were excellent and, and outplayed the, the Indian spinners. Swepson and Zampa both always looking dangerous and taking wickets. So I thought that was impressive, the depth there to be without your best bowlers, but but still have people that can come in and, and step up. Yeah, I think I think Swepson is an interesting one because he he seemed to kind of take a wicket. Every time he'd bowl a really bad half tracker, but take a wicket from it. But it, and it kind of at first when I saw that, I was kind of like, well, oh, you know, he's just getting lucky. But, I, I, you know, we like to think that I don't think that's how it works. You know, in T20 cricket, he's almost he's deserved to get the wicket from the bad ball because he's bowled enough good balls to kind of pressure the batsman into feeling like they have to go for the big shot anytime there's a there's a loosener. So, yeah, he t- and he took five wickets, 6.9 economies. It's, it's pretty good. And I think he should 
he's got a good chance of being their kind of second spinner when it comes to well, well second spinner and then Maxwell. They've they've got a lot of what England wish they had, I think. They're so I feel so jealous of them for the spinning options they've got, and you know. I think Joe Root would do the Maxwell job if we were England, but we've locked the door on Joe Root in T20 cricket. And sorry to bring up England in a non-England pod. Very bad at it, but it's going to happen. Get used to it. And they've got Swepson and and Zampa's like the senior guy now in that team. And he's he's a consistent performer now. We spoke about him in the England series um, when they came over here and he looked fantastic. So he's guaranteed if they want to play Swepson, they've found a great option from this series. The Maxwell thing, he went for 19 off one over when he when he bowled. And then if, if he opens the bowling, which he did in the third T20 um, and goes all right, they'll probably bowl two or three for him and he'll go for six or seven. He took one for 20 in that third ODI. And I think he got KL, didn't he? Yeah, he did for a, a two ball duck. In, and that pretty much set the tone for, for that inning. So they've got three spinning options. As you said, they're missing their best pace bowlers at the minute. Andrew Tyler, good. Daniel Sams, should we come on to him for the last time, hopefully? Because I thought we bullied him the last couple of pods. We, we keep bringing him up and just sort of turning our noses up at him, really. He was uh, he was all right. I don't know. He went, we went for 14 and a half in the third ODI. Uh, he went for 11 in the second, sorry, T20, not ODI. He went for 11 in the second T20. And he went, wait, did he play the first T20? He didn't play the first T20. So combined average about 12 and a half and over, not looking great. He does give him that left arm option, but not much else. Surely he's the first to fall from, from this series if, if they're going to get replaced. I yeah. don't want to be too mean to Daniel Sams because we, we always do it. Um, it's, it you know, it's, not, it's not his fault that he was thrown into a debut against India and he didn't bowl particularly well, but he's not a write-off forever. That's nice. Well, let's say some, say something nice about Daniel Sam, Zach. He's not a write-off forever, and he's also not even the one who was brought into the squad because so Kane Richardson dropped out of the squad because his wife gave birth, and he and uh, Andrew Ty was the one who came in, which is a nice little uh, nice because he was quite good. And Daniel Sam's, you know, he got his chance. He made his debut, and he's definitely hope for the future. Hopefully, he can go and play for Sydney Thunder and take as many wickets as he did last year in the Big Bash. Go on, Daniel Sams. There we go. That And that was Say Something Nice about Daniel Sams. And that is the exciting thing about the BBL coming up uh, on the 10th of December, which is tomorrow. Um, today's the day of record is the 9th. We have got a preview pod on that. If you haven't caught up on that yet, that will give you all you need to know about that series. And I found watching the IPL more this year than I normally do gave me so much, so much more knowledge about the India team, but it was great to see young players play. And this is great for Australia, right? Is that they've had a, a decent uh, series here, even though they lost with some new talent coming through. They've now got, well, two or three months, however long this BBL is, to sit and watch a few more players and kind of eye them up f- for the World Cup. Um, and I think that brings us nicely on to the next sort of uh, ending topic for this pod is your teams for the World Cup. We've now seen India and Australia in the T20 International. And like I said, we're all building up to this World Cup next year. So it's exciting to see who's doing well and who's kind of, you know, peaking and trending at the right time. So I've not done one of these. So I'm just going to edit or copy what you guys say, see what you say, see if it's terrible, see if it's great. Uh, should we start with Australia? Because we've just finished talking about them. Uh, Zach, I'll come to you first. What would be, are we doing starting 11s as if it was the first World Cup match tomorrow? We are. Go ahead. Yeah, I thought starting 11s a bit easier than squad because squad can be. You just put anyone in. Yeah, exactly. When it's when it's England, it's I feel like it's easier to do squad 
but yeah. when it's Australia, I don't, it's a bit harder. I, I, I'm not attached to anybody in the Australia team, so I'll just make an 11, same with the India team. Well, so, yeah, exactly. okay, start an 11s. So, unsurprisingly, my top three is Finch, Warner and Smith. Mm-hmm. My number four is Matthew Wade, but that could do with some testing out, I think. Number five is Glenn Maxwell, unsurprisingly. Then I've gone Stoinis at six over Enriquez, even though I thought Enriquez was very good. But I think that's just because Stoinis proved that he could do it in India and he looked pretty good in the IPL. So, yeah, that's my six. Uh, Cummins at seven. Stark at eight. Zampa nine. Kane Richardson at 10, because I thought Kane Richardson looked really good in that England England series. It's bold, good change-ups. And I think compared to... compared to, It was kind of him or Josh Hazelwood, and I think Josh Hazelwood is a good hit-the-pitch bowler. He's good in Australian conditions, but I think in Indian conditions, change-ups will be really important. And Kane Richardson has a really good slow ball. And then at number 11, Mitchell Swepson, who really impressed me. That's a very solid-sounding 11. I like... I- I'm not going to argue anything against that. I don't think I can. I don't think in my right mind I want to. Maybe I, I buy the Stoinis over Enriquez argument. Enriquez, Enriquez uh, Moses. I'll do with the Australian commentators that um, I buy that. I think from what you said in the IPL, he did look really good toward the end, especially. So I'd just about edge him over it. Will, have you got have you got an Australian starting eleven for us? Yeah, I, I have basically exactly the same. Although okay. I. I I've I've taken as the Aussies say Moses out um, and bumped Stoinis up to four just because he looks like he's on a, a bit of a trend recently to in the Hardik Pandya situation as well face a few more balls so over the next year he might get a small promotion which puts Maxwell up to five and then I've thrown in a name we've not mentioned yet although he did bowl a few overs in the first T20 again completely rogue um, but the Aussies are madly hyping him um, Cameron Green who is currently playing in the in the tour game um, might get thrown in over the next year or so because the Australians think he's the the second coming. The second Pat Cummins or the second coming? You know what? That's a better pun. <laughs> I I'm sorry, well I do not buy Cameron Green in there. Not not yet. Maybe in the World Cup after that. I think there's better talent out there. Did you have both spinners playing though? Did you have Zampa and Swepson in? Yeah. Yeah, I think we're all got to be in agreement on that. Um, we'll come to looking at the tour game just just as we end the pod as well. Uh, yeah, I think I agree with both your sides there. Apart from Cam Green, I'm 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 not there yet. And then the Matthew Wade situation, we'll see how that plays out, right? Uh, if he can get a few more few more games, let's have your India starting 11s then, boys. Will I'll go to you first on this one? If the World Cup is starting tomorrow, who would your India 11 be? If it's starting tomorrow, I'm sorry, Dan. I'll break this too early. There's no, there's no Washington Sundar. No, no, no. We have to end the pod there. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> Why not, man? Why not? Come on. I'm gonna watch uh, the World Cup. Right here it is. Although I'm still not set on this, I think this will change. My heart still wants to bin Shikha Darwin, but he will play. So there we are. <laughs> um, Rohit Sharma and Shikha opening. Virat at three. Kale Rahul four. Hardik Pandya five. The undroppable Pant. Zidaja, Bumra, Natarajan, Chahal, and then I've I've got Shami, but it might become Siraj. Yeah. Okay. Did you um, Rahul not opening then? Well, they don't they don't seem. I mean, they prefer Sharma, 
<laughs> I don't think Sharma can play any other position. Shika won't be dropped, so it's yeah. it's, it's hopeless to uh, to to say that he might be. That's um, fair. That's fair reasoning. That's fair reasoning. And then we'll come on to Washington. His batting hasn't been that great, so you do have to try and squeeze him in in that bottom probably eight and down, don't you? He just doesn't quite fit in at the minute. It, it would be him or Jadeja, really, I think, I'd, and, I'd unless you put him in for Chahal, and I don't think he's a good, as good a bowler as Chahal is. I can see that one, and we'll continue the pod. Um, that's fair enough, yeah, and I'm interested in Rahul at four. Uh, I want to know what, Zach, I want to know what you think about that and about, well, let's hear your team. So I've gone for this, well, the same top four, but I put Rahul at three instead of Coley, but Coley will bat at three. Then I've There's gone no, for... No way he's muscling Coley out at three. No. Imagine that conversation. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what I was thinking there. <laughs> Uh, then I've gone Samson at five, Pandy at six, and then and then it's the same. Jadeja, Shami, Chahal, Bumrah, Natarajan. But Samson's rubbish, that. <laughs> <laughs> some great some great balanced debate there. <laughs> A really leveled argument. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. I think Pant really needs to prove himself. He needs to, he needs to be given a go. Really, another go. But yeah. Other than that, I mean the bowlers are that that is the top bowling lineup I think we're we can agree on. Unless obviously I feel like there'll there'll be another Natarajan that comes around in the next uh, IPL though that'll change our minds. That's the thing, we've it, got it, an IPL it, between this, haven't we? That we've got exactly. that'll be in April as it's, normal. It's just to happen. Well, let, let's assume for now, but that could be carnage for the Indian selection, I think. Uh, and especially, you know, if, the Cody Club or the Will Hate Club, whichever one, you know, gets its voice heard more. I don't know how I've become the anti Kohli voice, because let, let me tell you, in Indian cricket Twitter, they've started crucifying Kohli. I'm an apologist as far as they're concerned. Um, <laughs> it'll, it'll be interesting to look at the next IPL, because if, if we do lose complete confidence in, in Pant and Samson and want to knock it, mess it around again... Um, Keep keep eyes on Padakel for next IPL because he'd be a good guy to get in if we can if we can fit him in. That's a great shout. I like that a lot, and I think that's just going to throw more cats amongst more pigeons at IPL. Then it's going to ask more questions than it is answer. And for one, I can't wait for that. The more carnage around the Indian team, the angrier Will gets, and and the more the more fun content we get here. So it's fantastic. If if I'm you a want, very positive person outside of sports. <laughs> I think for people who don't know you, well, they're going to think the exact opposite. You come on this pod and just, you know, just angry and sad about everything. If you were, you know, taking allegiances aside, if you were to rather be in one of these camps now building up to the World Cup, where would you rather be sat? Obviously, we've still got many months to come, like nine months till the actual thing happens. But where, where would you rather be? I think for me, ooh, I've asked this question, I don't know the answer to it. I'd rather be in that India camp. I just, mm, yes. I think I'd rather be in the India camp. I'm just going to stop talking now. I'd rather be in the India camp. I I think I'd rather be in the Australia camp. I think if we look at the, like we've said about the, the we, we saw their second, their kind of second string bowling attack and it looked pretty good in parts. I think, I think I'd much rather be in their position. They've got the batsman who can kind of accelerate. They've got Glenn Maxwell, who, you know, is the best all rounder in world cricket at the moment, but that probably won't last more than another game. <laughs> but yeah, and then Mitchell Stark, again, he's favourite. He's pretty good, isn't he? So oh, you, you're persuading me a bit. I'm going to stick. Why should I stick on in the India camp, Will? I think I'm going to stick I'll in the India camp. Just go on, tempt me over I'll, to the I'll dark side. Yeah, I'll bring you back to this side. Good. I agree with 
completely in every way. Australia have, have a better placed team, except India are hosting and therefore India. That's a great asterisk, a great caveat in which I will firmly place myself in that India camp as of now. And we'll see if the IPL throws some cats amongst pigeons. I'll use that analogy again. Are we excited for the test, boys? That's that's the next thing to look forward to in this um, India tour of Australia. I can't wait. They start soon. I haven't got a date in front of me. Very soon for those listening. And we have got a tour game. Oh, the 17th of December. Fantastic. And we've got a Boxing Day test to look forward to as well. Four test matches. Our predictions are already in. They're locked up in a safe somewhere and we'll, we'll visit them, you know, as the tests go on. Um, there is a tour game going on at the minute or is it finished now? Anyway, a couple of interesting things come out of it. Obviously, Warner is missing the first test. So that kind of helps Australia's situation at the top of the order. Uh, Cameron Green made 125 and Pekarski made a, a, a small score. Well, no, it wasn't. It was single figures. Um, what, what do we think? Has anything changed from our preview pod for either of you about the tests? Any any selection issues or people you want to see now with the with the white ball series in mind? I think I, I'd return to the um, the call we made at the end of the last podcast. Some some credit to Cal Corner podcast in this one, and, and Zach will be very excited about this because we we made the call that Hardik should be in the test squad, and someone asked Virat Kohli about this, and he said. Sadly, no. But if he can bowl again, he'll bring great balance to the Indian Test side. We've we've got the balance word from Kohli. Hardik's in. <laughs> That's it. As soon as you um, use that word in that podcast, you're in. You'll persuade me anyway. Well, I mean, could could Kohli have quoted our podcast and any better there? Hardik Pandya and balance in the same sentence. Wow. It, Thank you, Virat. Thank you for listening and thank you for, for listening and taking on board what we've said. He's definitely listening. And we've got Ravi Jadeja listening. I tweeted Washington that one time. He might have seen it. You know, we're really, we're on the front line of the Indian tactics board there, I think. We're really, really in it. So that's an exciting series to come. Uh, that starts on the 17th. We'll have a review of each test, probably. Something like that. Because I think if we wait until the end of January, a lot might have happened since then. Uh, but that'll about wrap it up for, for this podcast. That's a review of the uh, India and Australia white ball tour. We'll be back, as I said, with uh, reviews of those test matches very soon. Zach, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And keep on looking for who that person, that next person to have, you know, the trifecta of hundreds. I know it's your obsession. Keep looking and we'll, we'll join you on that. Uh, Will, thank you again so much for joining us. Uh, we'll see you for those, for those test reviews. Thank you very much. I look forward to it. And thank you so much for listening and we'll be back very soon. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.